All right, hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. And today we're going to be covering a tough topic, but a very important topic. It's it's something that we have talked about in the podcast before, and we will continue to talk about because it is crucially important and highly misunderstood, and that's the issue of depression. So today we have author M.R. Scott and talking about his latest book, The Rain That Never Stops and the Problem of Depression. So M.R., welcome to the Basic Bible Podcast. Thank you for having me on, Kevin. I appreciate it. All right. So before we jump into the book, this is your first time on the podcast. Introduce yourself to us. Tell us a little bit about your testimony and and your background and and kind of what you do. Yeah, well, um, interestingly enough, I've always listened to other people's testimonies and I'm like, man, everybody else has such a great testimony. And I feel like here I come in with like my little testimony. Um, So I grew up in the church. I was one of those individuals who, you know, grew up in the church, always knew, heard about Jesus and God and the cross. Um, Grew up with some very bad theology, (laughs) to say the least. Um, And, you know, just kind of, you know, sixth grade, I'm this on fire, Paul Washer type evangelist running around and telling kids like, listen, believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. And I remember, you know, my teacher pulling me aside and and saying, hey, you know, I understand that's what you believe, but you can't tell people that. And I said, hey, but it's true, right? Like, what am I supposed to do? It's true. Um, But I would say that uh, probably it wasn't until college that I really started to formulate uh, an understanding of the gospel by God's grace. And, you know, I, I had always been very vocal about Christ and my faith and, you know, what I stood for. Um, but I think when I got to college, I, I entered a Genesis Bible study. And in that Bible study, the teacher was absolutely fantastic, reformed guy, hmm. um, and just really knew how to, like, hammer down doctrines in a very cogent and conversational way. And I just remember going back and forth with him. Well, at the end of that Bible study, he had gotten everybody who had participated a gift and he had given me Wayne Grudem's systematic theology. Now, at that time, you know, I went to the the college house um, for the the Christian college house at night. And I said, hey, you know, Chris told me to come pick up a gift here because I had missed the, the last Bible study. You know, and they give me this huge book. And on the, if you're familiar with Wayne Grudem's systematic theology, it has like these pillars, almost looks kind of like the, the front of a courthouse almost. And at the time I was in college for criminal justice and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh man, you know, yeah. I was like, Chris, I love you, man, but <laughs> I don't want a book on law. Um, so I'm actually looking, I can see his systematic theology yeah. right there on my shelf. And I remember taking it back to my dorm and looking at it, and I started reading it like a couple days later, and uh, I got to election, you know, predestination, election, the doctrines of grace, and man, I'm just cleaving through this, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, this this makes sense to me. Um, so I think it was probably in college where I really started to get grounded into the idea of, you know, if I'm going to believe something, I have to know what it is I believe. Yep. I have to know why I believe it. And I need to be able to give a defense, you know, against the critiques that people are going to bring to me. Um, When something is this, uh, how can you say, (laughs) essential, you know, to who you are as a person, that it's defining your worldview. I think that, 
you better make sure that like you've buckled in for the ride because if you're wrong, this is going to have dramatic repercussions. So for me, like I wanted to be able to represent my faith in a way that's logical that other people can say, okay, maybe I don't agree with you, but I can see how you got there. Right. Um, so I don't have a, you know, a super huge flashy testimony, you know, I wasn't like a drug addict or, you know, I didn't have this radical conversion. Um, I think it was just kind of like a gradual process, you know, that the Lord had for me, um, and just continued to call me to himself. Well, and I tell my students all the time, because we have, I'm a Christian school teacher. And at the end of each year, we have seniors giving testimonies. And some of them are just like sad because I, I, I haven't been to jail. I wasn't part of a biker gang or something. And I said, well, right. back up. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's, mm. that's, that's first second Tim, uh, Timothy two. That's the idea of, yes, your parents were godly people who instilled in you a faith that then you took as a foundation and then you grew and matured in that faith. And, and that's, that's remarkable because in this day and age, um, that, that testimony is almost more amazing than, you know, the, the drug filled life or whatever and all these things. And so oh, it's, yeah. it's far from boring. It, it is exactly, <laughs> it, it's reconfirming if anything. Awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it really was um, the difference maker in my life. You know, both yeah. my parents were professing Christians and, you know, we'd go to church and, uh, you know, there were a lot of instances in my life as a young man where there was probably the opportunity to do things that I probably shouldn't have done. Yeah. Um, and I sat there and I was just like, yeah, no, not for me. Like, I'm a Christian, dude. I don't I don't do this kind of stuff. So, you know, thanks, but no thanks. Right. Um, so it, it, it was something that gave me guidance, of course, um, and de- like defined my life, something I could dedicate right. my life towards. Um, but. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that if we had the the normative practice, it would be like, hey, everybody's testimony is I grew up in the church and the Lord has been with yeah. me ever since I was a, a little kid. Right. And so the only the only issue I have with that testimony is that um, Wayne Grudem has rejected my pleas to come on this podcast. But no, besides that, yeah, I don't know, Wayne, if you're listening, you're, the invitation's still there. Um, you know, I, I got a chance to sit down and talk with him years ago. And I use his book in my systematic theology class, but for some reason he's not willing to jump on. I don't know if he's afraid of the fame and fortune that comes along with coming (laughs) on the podcast. I don't know. It can be intimidating to some, but anyway, so MR, we're going to talk about your book here. You've written several books, but this is your latest, uh, the rain that never stops and the problem of depression. So um, this is one of the subjects that's near and dear to my heart as many who are near and dear to my heart have suffered through this. Um, And so let's talk about depression in general. First, um, give us your personal testimony, because this isn't something that you're writing from an academic perspective. This isn't just, I mean, it is theology. You you get into that for sure. And you, you, you point people to Christ, you point people to scripture. Um, But you're writing this as a very personal testimony you're writing this from your perspective this isn't something that's detached this is something that you've dealt with and are dealing with yeah so you know i 
from a young age, I, I kind of got the idea that, you know, maybe one of the gifts that the Lord has given me is the gift of writing and being able to communicate to people in a way that's kind of easy to understand. Um, so as I grew up, I, I was like, hey, you know, I, I kind of want to use this talent to glorify God. And, and one of the things I love about writing and even, you know, in the, the medium that you're using here as a podcast, it's like when you and I are good and gone. And, you know, that could be tomorrow for either of us. Mm. It's like, what have we left behind? Wait, that do, do you know something I don't know about tomorrow? I know. I know. I'm just putting it out there, you know. It's, Ironically, it's, we're talking about this. We're recording this. And tomorrow I'm having surgery. Oh, no. So I uh, I, I'm hoping that you're not a prophet here. <laughs> and I'm not worried about yeah. anything. But go, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. We're going we're gonna to pray for you at the end of the podcast here. <laughs> I, didn't, uh, I didn't know that. Um, but my, my viewpoint is what can I leave behind that can still do work for, for the kingdom, even after I'm gone. And, you know, I look to, to men like Charles Spurgeon and, you know, now RC Sproul who just have these tombs of books filled with such great knowledge. And it's like, man, if they didn't record their sermons, if they didn't write these books, what a great loss the Christian community would suffer, like not having these resources so that was that was the the kind of the main motivation. The other motivation was I want to be able to connect with people where they are. I, I didn't want to write about subjects um, that didn't really pertain to my experience. And that's not to say that my experience supersedes the authority and the weight of the scriptures. They certainly don't. And I make that very clear in the book. But I do think that our experience has to count for something because that's how we're interacting with the world is through our experiences. So I wanted to write about things. You know, the first book I ever wrote, uh, Fractured Together, that one was about uh, biblical relationships. I was formerly married, had no business being married, um, ended up divorced. It was terrible. Came out to Yuma, found a pattern that people are asking me the same questions about relationships over and over again. Things that I had learned from my past mistakes and sins. So I said, what if I just put this in a book form and now people can stop asking me because I could just say, here, read this, you know, like just take this. Yeah. Um, second one was Peter on Saturday and the problem of guilt, because I had I had dealt with a lot of um, guilt from that relationship as well. A lot of unrealized trauma that has kind of carried over and followed yeah. me into Arizona um, and then depression. That one was that one was a little tougher um, because I knew it was a heavy subject. And the last thing I wanted to do was take such a fragile subject and just botch it, you know, like just fumble the ball on the goal line. So I I really had to contemplate, you know, is this kind of the direction that I feel perhaps God is calling me to to move in? And I'm very careful with that. Um, I'm probably like a hyper skeptic when it comes to the whole like, you know, God is calling me to do this and God is leading me to do this Yeah, because I'm like, uh, I just need to see it in the scriptures. Like, just show me the scriptures. Right. Right. I believe that God will get me to where he needs me to, to be without necessarily having to like have this banner in the sky that all the you know stars are coming together in a constellation that says, you know, Zach moved to Arizona. Um, so I wanted to be careful, but at the same time, I realized that for me, like, depression is, 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 is very real. It's, it's not yeah. something that I play around with. It's not something that's just like, Oh yeah. You know, I was sad for a week because my dog died, 
you know, so I, I, I know about depression. It's like, no, this is something that's been plaguing me for over half my life. Um, interestingly enough, I can't necessarily pinpoint like a cause per se. Um, cause I was talking with a, a brother in Christ yesterday and he said, you know, what do you feel like kind of caused your depression? Like what set it off? And I feel like when people hear about depression, the idea is something traumatic must have happened to you. And that's why you're, you're depressed. As far as I can recall, um, there was nothing traumatic that happened in my life um, as a young man. No sexual abuse, no physical abuse, two very loving parents. Yeah. Um, but I was just one day, it was in December, 14 years old. Um, I want to say it's probably like 2007, 2008. And uh, I was living in Pennsylvania at the time. Now I'm in Arizona. And I remember standing in the family den and there was nobody home. The Office, of course, one of the greatest TV shows in the entire world, is on the TV. And uh, I'm just looking out the window. And it's gray outside. And out of nowhere, as I'm standing there by myself, I just get this thought of like, I don't want to be here anymore. And at that moment, it kind of felt like the color in my life had just washed out. Like it was just gone. And, you know, everybody, I think, has those thoughts of like, oh, I just want to kill myself. You know, something goes wrong and it's just irritating. It's frustrating. You're like, it'd be so much easier if I wasn't here. But it's just one of those like fleeting taboo thoughts. It doesn't have any real weight or gravity to it. But when I sat there in the den or when I stood there in the den and I had that thought, it it wasn't just a thought, but it was the feeling that accompanied it. It was the feeling of, yeah, like, you're right. You don't want to be here anymore. You shouldn't be here anymore. You should probably just go and and kill yourself. And it was like, I was standing there contemplating it. And I, I, I wasn't even really aware of the fact that like these things were going through my mind. And it was like, you know, now I'm thinking about the, the knife in the kitchen drawer. We didn't have a gun in the house that I knew of. So I'm just sitting there and I'm just thinking of like, oh, well, you know, if I, if I did it, how would I do it? You know, what would I do? And there was just this terrible, like, anchor in my stomach of, like, purposelessness. Like, you shouldn't be here. You don't belong here. If you died, nobody's really going to care. Um, that is the first day that I ever remember dealing with that kind of experience. And from that day on, I didn't tell anybody about it. And uh, there's a real danger in isolating these kind of things to yourself. Because the last thing I wanted was, Oh, hey, mom, dad, you know, I had this weird thought about killing myself. Like, what do you guys think about that? My mom was one of those people where if I got a paper cut, it's like, look, dude, you need to go to ER. You're bleeding mm-hmm. to death. And it's like, no, no, I'm not. I'm good, mom. You know, just leave me alone. Um, but I thought, hey, this is probably just a one and done type thing. You know, I flirted with it, um, but I didn't do anything with it. It just one and done. I'm going to move on. Um but I noticed that I started to have a very difficult time, like moderating good emotions. Um, when I felt good, it was like, okay, you know, but when I felt bad, it was just like, man, this is really heavy. Like, I don't think it's supposed to feel this bad, you know? Yeah. Um, one of the unfortunate things, uh, in my life is that 
I was blessed with an older brother who was basically better than me at everything <laughs> and he had a really good way of, of telling me and showing me that. Um, so maybe from a, you know, a young age, just those thoughts of like not being good enough, not measuring yeah. up, not meeting the standard probably followed with me. Um, but that was the first experience of like, oh man, this is, this is real. Okay. So we're talking depression. We're not just talking about an occasional feeling of sadness or um, something that you can actually pinpoint. But for right. many people who suffer from depression, the cause sometimes is unknown. Yeah. And, um, and I think that that's what makes it more frustrating is that you can't go back and say, oh, well, from this point or, or whatever. Um, and you also mentioned in your book kind of in, in, in just the introduction or uh, I think it was the first chapter, what you're not doing is offering a simple solution. Okay, well, you're, you're depressed, so here are some Bible verses to memorize. You pray this prayer, and then, boom, you'll never suffer with this again because we all trust in Jesus. We know he's sovereign, and therefore, no problems. Right, yeah. Yeah, not a, not a simple solution um, because I think that – I mean, in my mind, you know, I, I was doing um, uh, premarital counseling. And one thing that my premarital counselors were kind of getting at was like, you just need to have a little more faith. You just need to, you know, walk with the spirit, you know, um, God doesn't want this for you. And I really have a hard time when people say things like that to me, I just want to look at them and be like, you don't know what you're talking about. Right. Like, it's very easy on the outside looking in and just saying, like you said, Hey, here are some scriptures about being sad. Memorize these. And anytime you feel depressed, just recall those scriptures. Right. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely believe that there is a a great benefit and, you know, um, wisdom in, in memorizing scriptures and, and knowing them and how to recall them when situations come up. When I was in Phoenix, um, I was running an assets protection department for, for Target. And there were two verses that like, I had to cling to those because if I didn't, I was like the floor underneath me felt like it was just going to, to disappear. And it was Romans eight twenty eight, and it was first Peter five, six and seven. I love first Peter five, six and seven, because it basically tells the Christian, like, look, God cares about you and he wants you to pray to him. He wants you to bring all of these mucky, nasty things that you're holding in yourself that you're too afraid to share with anyone else. He wants you to bring it to him. It's not like he doesn't know anyway, right? He's God. He knows everything. But the other one was Romans that basically just promised, like, God's going to work everything for the good of those who are called according to his purposes and who love him. And I don't take that lightly, you know, that that for me was good enough to say, okay, I can make it one more day. I can make it one more day because if God is sovereign and his word is true, I don't know where the end of the tunnel is, but it's going to be out there somewhere. And when I say end of the tunnel, I don't, I don't mean that the depression just disappears. Yeah. Um, people kind of look at me sideways when I tell them, like, I'm very thankful for my depression. And, you know, the kind of depression that I struggle with is suicidal depression. So it's not, you know, just depression. It has that extra little, like, oomph, you know? Right. Of when when that's that thought, when those feelings start ramping up, you know, and, and I, I don't know about too many others if, if they experience this too, but 
I feel like a lot of the time it's just an act of constant suppression of yeah. not facing those things that you know are going to take you to a place where you don't really want to go. And that's kind of the difficult thing about idiopathic depression in the sense that you don't know where it exactly stems from, but you're too afraid to go look because if you find it, that just might be too much for you. Um, and I can, I can kind of pulse touch, you know, and trace some threads back because obviously if I know what exacerbates the depression, probably there's some kind of thread that will connect me back to a, a place where that originated. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not a simple solution. I think to say it's a simple solution would to be, it would be a great disservice to those who are struggling because it's like, Oh, it's that's yeah. You know, like when they told me, Hey, it's, it's a, uh, it's a Holy spirit thing. It's a have faith thing. And it's like, Oh, great. You know, yeah. here I am with this depression I feel like I'm a failure. I feel like I don't have any purpose in the world. Let me now keep more right. stuff on you. <laughs> right. And it's like, but thank you. Now I understand that I'm not walking, you know, with the Holy Spirit as close right. as I need to be. And I, I don't have enough faith. And to their you know, it's, credit. It's interesting that we, you know, uh, we kind of travel a little bit in the same theological circles. And we hate the idea of the prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. The idea, if you just pray for something, you know, you want a new car. God will give it to you if you just have enough faith. And we abhor that horrible theology and for good reason. But many of us in our reform circles and conservative evangelical circles bring that same philosophy to this issue. Uh, We don't realize that's what it is. But, you know, if you just have enough faith, you're not going to struggle with this anymore. Right. And I think the as far as I can tell, the issue is a lot of people don't know how to deal with this topic. It's like. Oh, depression. You know, some people, and I, I quote the office in I think the first or second chapter where, you know, Michael's talking about how he's depressed and Dwight's like, isn't that just a fancy way of saying that you feel bummed out? And I think that's what a lot of people yeah. think. It's like, Oh, it's just, you know, maybe it's, it's sadness plus one, right? It's not regular right. sadness. It's sadness plus one. It's like, no, this is like, you know, the doldrums are constantly beating in your mind and you're always feeling it in some sort of way. Like there's always something kind of culminating. Right. Um, and, you know, to their credit, and I, I love them, they're great people and they meant well. But my theological perspective is just vastly different than that. Yeah. Because, you know, when you tell a believer like, hey, it's not God's will for you to be depressed. I understand probably what they're trying to say is like God is not riding around on a cloud, throwing down thunderbolts to torment you because he gets, you know, it's what he enjoys doing. He enjoys it, but it can come off that way to some people. But I, when people tell me that, like, it's not God's will for you to be depressed. I look at them and I say, okay, well, whose will is it? Yeah. Who's in charge here? Because if my depression's not in the hands of God, I'm in danger. Right. Because that means that there can't be a purpose. There can't be a good that's brought out of this. And I, I told them, I said, you know, I obviously, if I could choose not to be struggling with depression and, and suicidal uh, depression, I'd probably choose that at this point. Right. Um, but when I look back at what God has in his perfect wisdom. And that, that's a, that's a clarifier. Like you have to have that there in his perfect wisdom said, Hey, 
this is what I'm giving to you. I'm thankful for that. Um, I'm very thankful because that has really been a driving force in shaping me as the person that I am and giving me a perspective and insight on how to deep dive and understand people and kind of be able to go under the layers of, you know, what might be causing the issues that they're having. Yeah. So I look at it as a blessing. You know, I, I look at it as a, a thing of like, you know what, Lord, you gave me this. How can I use it for your glory? It doesn't mean that it's enjoyable. It doesn't mean that it's inherently good. It doesn't mean that, you know, when God created Adam, he's like, hey, Adam, you're depressed because depression is, you know, I saw depression on the, the first day and it was very good. Yeah. But it's a matter of, hey, like, I'm the Lord. I have to create all things. This is part of the decree. There's nothing outside of that. As R.C. Sproul used to say, there's no, there's no maverick molecule or else God right. is not God. Yeah. So I view it from the lens and the book is kind of driving people to think of it in the way of like, look, this is something that God has bestowed upon you. How can we use it for his glory and your good? It doesn't mean that you don't seek remedies, right? If I break my leg, I'm not going to be like, well, you know, the Lord Jesus and his wisdom decided to have this happen. So I'm just going to not right. go to the doctors and I'm going to walk around with this broken leg and tell people like, hey, if you break your leg, just look yeah. to Jesus. But it's, it's, it's a, there's a lot of physical components to depression, but there's a lot of mental, psychological and spiritual components. Right. Um, and it could be a mix uh, of, of either or, but I, I don't want people to think simple solution because at the end of the day, that's just not, it's not going deep enough. And for a problem like this, like we really have to dig deep. All right. Well, we haven't even, uh, our, our, our time is slipping away. We haven't even, got, I, I've got a whole page of questions, but never even got to. Oh, man. So, um, but we got to wrap things up and I, and I hope you'll come back on the podcast. I want to get to Absolutely. these questions and um, I'd like to continue this conversation. But before we do that, again, the name of the book, uh, The Rain That Never Stops and the Problem of Depression by M.R. Scott. We're going to have a link to that um, in our show notes. I want you to go and buy the book because the book is really interesting in that the scope it covers is, is grand. And um, you go through things like suicide, but you also go through things like trauma. And you talk about God's sovereignty. and and you're you're very raw emotionally you're very transparent um so again this is not like a book that's that's preaching at you but more of like a brother coming up alongside of you saying hey this is what i've gone through let me let me help you let me walk through you through this with you and so i really appreciate that perspective but again you you do focus on the sovereignty of god this isn't just psychobabble or, or just like plain old common sense talking, you're pointing people back to the scriptures, but you're also walking it, walking through it as a brother. So, um, by the book, MR, thank you for coming on the podcast today. And, uh, again, we want you to come back. I want, I want to do a part two with this. Hey, I'll do a part two, part three, however many parts you need to feel satisfied with uh, the conversation. And, uh, you just let me know and I'll clear my schedule for you. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you all for joining. And so uh, don't forget, check out www.basicbiblepodcast.org. Check us out on Facebook, uh, our Facebook group, Basic Bible Podcast. Ray is back up and he's going through, um, I believe he's probably still going through the book of Matthew as uh, we're, we're recording this right now. 
And um, there'll be more posts and more uh, more discussion on there. Instagram and Twitter at the same handle, Basic Bible Cast. There. So until next week, have a good rest of your week.